Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Rawls, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. Well, thank you, Marie, and thank you, everybody, for joining us on today's Living Your Dash podcast. And so, well, Rick, uh, I was out of town last week, and so couldn't do this last week, and so we, we actually skipped uh, a message uh, on the fourth word, and so now we're re-engaging on your fourth segment of the fourth word, the fourth word series, and the fourth word is? God. God. In the beginning, God. God yeah. is the fourth word. It's the great divide, the great fork in the road for humanity. Yeah. Everybody has to decide without exception. Am I going to go in the beginning God, or am I going to go in the beginning no God? Yeah. And uh, everybody needs to consider the uh, implications and consequences of which route they decide to go in life. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if it comes down to uh, it's either going to be in the beginning God or in the beginning me. Well, that's really what it is. And yeah. Most people who don't want to go God is they don't want a God. Yeah. They want to run their own life. They want to be on the throne. And, uh, and really, when you, when you really dig into what, in my opinion, what is behind the whole uh, humanistic, uh, Darwinian evolutionist theory, all of that, it's very, very convenient. Mm -hmm. uh, it has the guise of science. Mm -hmm. um, but behind it all is really the idea of if we can eliminate God, yeah. then we don't have to be accountable to a higher power. Yeah. Uh, we just we just can do our own thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I know we have to be careful with the metaphor, but but I think it's a lot like there might be some really smart mice in a in a in a maze, right? And they may have finally figured out, you know what, this is this maze is is constructed this way and and it's that's true. It's constructed of some sort of material, and at the end there is some sort of cheese or some sort of reward. And and maybe they've gone back and they've figured this out, but what they forget is that the maker of that maze, and actually, the uh, the person who inserted them into this maze. So again, we have to be careful of 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 that metaphor because that makes it sound like well, it's life a game, and it's not. No, no, no. But it, hey, if the maze fits, wear it. And yeah. You're, <laughs> and your maze illustration really does. It's uh, the mice think they're so smart, uh, but they just refuse to acknowledge. It's don't confuse me with the facts. I've already made up my mind. Yeah, there is no creator of the maze. Right. It just happened. Yeah. There was a giant explosion at a lumber yard, and when the smoke cleared, there was this maze, and we were here. There's no rhyme or reason. Yeah. And I understand. I I, I do have sympathy. I think for for those that. They're, they have picked up someplace, whether it is a, a reaction and rejection of faith, or it's just they're, they're, they have no other recourse except to say, I am my own self-rescuer. I am, I am my own self-guiding um, mm -hmm. force in the universe. And so, um, but unfortunately, it just the grand, I'm so, God, so glad God created the universe as big as it is so that he might help us understand we are just infinitesimal, tiny, uh, mm -hmm. everywhere that we go. Uh, and yet, in the midst of all this, the gospel tells us that we are of great value and great worth. Yeah. 
And I don't understand that, but yet I'm glad. Me too. <laughs> all right. Well, Rick, this week's message was on God's revelation of life. You know, we could get all dramatic and esoteric about the, I don't know, the various themes and views and what it means to live a life. And by that, I mean a philosophy. But I, I, I wonder if we could just step back a moment and ponder. Should we simply wonder that we, we as human beings can ponder and wonder? I mean, it's one thing to look at the sun and to see that, you know, wow, it's bright and it's hot. But it's another thing to ask, where did that come from? What, wh- how does that not kill me and kill everything around me? And, and that we're the only beings in the universe, at least that I, that I know of, right? Uh, where this is the most important question that we can ask. You're exactly right. Uh, think about it. Animals at the zoo cannot do what is for us a simple task. Right. To think, to ponder, to reason, to to consider our existence. Uh, why is there something instead of nothing? So when you realize that out of everything God created, what sets us apart is humans have the ability and the power to think and to reason and as you say to ponder their own existence yeah and that that sets us apart from all of creation from all of the animal kingdom it sets us apart very unique and this is one of my primary beefs with darwinian evolution is when you look at darwinian evolution it's almost like it's You know, it's just step by step by step by step, humans. Mm -hmm. The gap between the animal kingdom and humanity is not a simple step. Mm. It's it's enormous. It's gigantic, and and the the big gulf, the big gap between the rest of the animal kingdom and humanity, are the very things we're talking about. Things that you have you have the ability. We, we even have the ability right now, Sean, that we can communicate and we can together ponder yeah. our existence. Mm-hmm. Uh, two uh, giraffes cannot do that. <laughs> uh, hey, I'll even go a step further. Two monkeys, uh-huh. two chimpanzees cannot do that. They cannot sit and discuss about why are we here in the zoo? How did we get here? Yeah. I wonder... Uh, what our origin is. They don't have the ability to do that. Yeah. The gap is huge between everything else and humanity. I, I don't know who who said it, but they, they basically classified man as being basically a naked ape, right? Right. Uh, and of course, you know, I, I, take, uh, I take offense to that. Because I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I do too. And I understand what they're saying. I mean, biologically speaking, that there, there are a lot of similarities uh, in terms of anatomy and and physiology, but nevertheless, we haven't figured out how to do transplant of organs. That's true. Uh, we have not. We have never seen. I remember somebody saying that um, a great comparison of of, uh, of basically uh, monkeys. Uh, you, you put a, a million monkeys in a room and all set them all on typewriters with unlimited supply of of um, of paper. Uh, and ink and ribbon, and they should be able to have the the works of Shakespeare done if you give them enough time. And uh, and the whole, but what they miss is that they're let's say that they did they were able to somehow type out um, uh, I don't know what's what is a famous line in Shakespeare I can't even think of one right to now to be or not to be ah that is the question yes um, but would they be able to appreciate it? Would they be able to understand what iambic pentameter is? And 
No, they wouldn't be able to do it. And so the issue is not can they roll out the data. The question is, is there meaning in the data? And you have to have, in, in, as far as I can see, you have to have a person that's both presenting the data that's meaningful and someone that receives it as meaningful. Absolutely. And I, I've got to say, you know, earlier you said you, you have sympathy for people in this situation. Uh, you know, I, you're, a, you're nicer than I am, Sean. <laughs> I, I, don't, I would have more sympathy for someone born 200 years ago, perhaps. Uh, I would say falling for the idea of Darwinian evolution and that there is no creator, there is no designer behind the design of creation. But I don't have a lot of sympathy nowadays <laughs> for people who have a brain. I mean, honestly, I yeah. don't want to be insulting, but honestly, when you, when you look through the telescope, when you look through the microscope, how could you possibly look at, for example, how could you possibly look at the human cell or the human body, everything we've learned about anatomy mm -hmm. in the last hundred years? Yeah. Everything that we've learned, everything, Sean, everything points to an incredible designer behind the design. Yeah. The, the, the mathematical odds of anything in your human body of just evolving is zero. Yeah. It is absolutely zero. And what concerns me is the more and more information that comes out in this direction, you have so many in the science field yeah. who say, don't confuse me with the facts. We made up our mind 200 years ago. Yeah. And that's sad. And I'll make sure that I put those, because you talked about this in the message. Uh, talked about laminin. Oh, yeah. You talked about the, the center of that, that uh, black hole. And so that those, those Louis Giglio uh, videos, they're, they're free on the internet. And I'll, I'll make sure I put the links in there. Well, and, and tell people, Sean, to just Google intelligent design scientist yeah and spend some time reading brilliant scientists who have who have been open-minded enough to consider is there a god and when they are open-minded enough they realize oh my goodness there has to be yeah. a creator behind this because even using just statistical data it, it's it would be impossible they're just finding out more and more when you do the numbers, you, statistically it is zero chance yeah. that the human body could have evolved. Yeah. Give it a billion years and yeah. it could not have evolved. Of course, the, the establishment will say that, that intelligent design is a pseudoscience. Oh, and absolutely. Yeah, um, but, but of course, you know, they, they have the most to lose yeah. in such a thing. And, and the intelligent design, uh, um, I don't, what would you call it? Um, folks, um, they would say, look, we have nothing to lose. Nobody, lo nobody loses when you have the truth, so what are you afraid of? Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I want to ask. What are you afraid of? Yeah. It, see, if you begin with the philosophic presupposition, there is no God. Mm -hmm. you, before you ever do any investigation, well, we, we know there's no God. If you begin with that philosophic presupposition, it will cloud and color every single determination that you make about about life that's right that's right boy i want to get more into that but but let, there's i do have to ask this question one of grace's foundational beliefs here at grace community church 
It, we state that we believe in the sanctity of life. I mean, it's so important that we put it down in our belief statements. What does that mean? And why is it so important to place that as an incontestable value that we ardently believe in? Yeah, the very truth that we talked about this last Sunday, and that is God is the giver of life. Yeah. And Sean, when you're the giver of life, you have, you're the only one who has the authority to give it or to take it away. And you know, to quote Job, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. I'm not the giver of life. Therefore, I do not have the authority to take a life because it doesn't belong to me. Yeah. And honestly, Sean, the reason I can't take your life is your life doesn't belong to me, but your life doesn't belong to you either. That's right. Your yeah. life actually belongs to God. The Lord. Yeah. He, he created it. He gave it to you. We, we don't give it. We don't take it. We are the steward of life. And the more I've studied Scripture, uh, Scripture does, because we live in a fallen world, I see two exceptions. And one would be, and when you read the Law of Moses, would be self-defense. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're protecting yourself, your family, for example. And then also uh, capital punishment. Yeah. That God permits uh, uh, God-ordained government to make those decisions um, of where capital punishment is justified when it is a life for a life. Yeah. Um, but again, the many people misunderstand the law. Why did God put that in? Why does God believe in capital punishment? To stop personal revenge. Because mm-hmm. uh, see, the thing is, Sean, you know, the eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Uh, why did God put that in there? Well, if you... If you hit me in the eye, Sean, I'm going to take vengeance. I'm going to hit you in the eye. I'm also going to take out a couple of teeth. Mm. And then you're going to come back and you're going to say, hey, you got my eye and a couple of teeth. I'm going to break your leg. Yeah. So to stop personal revenge and so that there would be a fairness and an equity with punishment, God ordained the whole idea of, of punishment through government, but included in that capital punishment. It's a life for a life. If yeah. you if you take a life, you don't have the authority to do that. God feels so strongly about that. He gives government authority the the responsibility of stepping in and saying, okay, you took a person's life out of vengeance. Therefore, society has to punish me punish you life for life. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of that ordination Right, we are government is ordained, isn't? Isn't is that scriptural or, or the? I know no, the no. concept is. Oh no, absolutely. You know, say that. Romans thirteen. Yeah. You know, God ordains government authorities, yeah. and when you read Romans thirteen, very clearly, one of the responsibilities of government is to punish the offender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so what I'm hearing you saying is life is special, and that we're. We're not only saying that empirically because the earth seems to be the only place that we know so far in the galaxy that has life on it. Um, But you're also saying that human beings created in his image are special. What does it mean to be made in God's image? Well, several several things come to mind. One is one of the truths we learned in our study of Genesis 1 is that you have been given dominion over the earth. Okay. So we talked about being vice regents uh-huh. for God. Um, when you realize, a huge responsibility that we have, um, 
We're the apex of all of creation. And God says, I want you to rule over all of creation, mm-hmm. all of the animal world, the plant world. It is your responsibility uh, to, to rule over that. So the first thing would be dominion. And then I would also say everything that we've just been talking about, everything above that we have been, we have been given the ability to think and to ponder and to reason, to uh, to make a choice about God, even yeah. that you know, animals they don't get to stand at the fork in the road and make a decision about the fourth word. Right. Um, only human beings have that free will, and so I think part of of being created in the image of God has to do with free will, the ability. I think it also Sean has has to do with the ability to relate to God on a personal level. What animal mm. what animal can talk to God? Yeah. And to, to 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 listen to God and actually receive direction. Uh the animal kingdom doesn't have a Bible. Yeah. Only human beings have been given a Bible and the ability to read. So everything else seems to work on instinct, mm-hmm. which God created which is a marvelous thing when you look at the animal world, the, the instinct that God has just wired into their DNA. To yeah. me, that's fascinating. It really but is. nothing, absolute nothing compared to the, the relationship God wants to have with human beings. And the Bible really makes it clear that he wants to be our friend. Yeah. And he wants to be our father. That sets us apart, I believe, very special being in the image of God. So there's really, it, it's a transcendence of, of, of intelligence. It's a transcendence of intuition. Um, you know, because we, we, we were at a funeral for a good friend, both of us, and they released doves uh, as kind of a, a way to uh, symbolize um, our friend's life. And, but it, it, I, it was remarkable. He said, they... I was talking to the guy. He goes, yeah, uh, I've gone as far away as, um, what did he say? Florida. Florida. And they, they made it back home in how many days? Uh, like two days? Two or three days. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Every one of them. Yeah. And, and I, think, I think about that. And, and so when we're talking about, as, as I hear what you're saying, we're talking about something that is far more transcendent, something that is, we call it spiritual, but... Mm-hmm. I think it's very true that that man is is a um, he 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 is a very spiritual person. I mean, it, everywhere we go, everywhere we go, doesn't doesn't they, they don't have to be a Christian. They don't have to be a particular theist, but they're very spiritual. They they whether it's a, an ancient or or um, a very primitive animist type of religion or 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 belief, we're very spiritual beings. And so I find that very interesting. Well, and I, I even mentioned in Sunday's sermon the Ecclesiastes 3 passage, God has placed eternity yeah. in the human heart. What is that all about? There's something that God wired into us that is seeking meaning and purpose and seeking God. Yeah. Yeah, just like that, the homing doves that you, you mentioned. Yeah. Um, and I would say... You know, if you follow your analogy, you know, the, uh, the, the homing dove that was in Florida, he, he really didn't have free will. 
he didn't he didn't have the ability to reason. So you know, I like I like Florida. <laughs> think I'll, I'll stick around. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I like the water. You know, the humidity feels better on my wings. I don't think I'll fly back to Roswell. No, there's something built into him that 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 dove is going to come back. Interesting. Yeah, human beings. Not us. We have the we have been given free will where wow. we can accept God. We can pursue that eternity that has been placed in our heart, or we can reject it. Yeah. Ooh. What a ter- you know. Sometimes I think that's a what a terrible gift that is. I mean, it's I, a huge responsibility. It really is, and and I I wonder like I I cannot force my children to love me. I, I can't. You know. I I can. I could have forced them to do a lot of things when they were little, but I can't make them yearn for me. And um, we yearn. We yearn for that existential person outside of us. Uh, I, I heard one writer talk about how we were born looking for someone looking for us. Yeah. And I, and I love that, the way that he, he wrote that. But anyway, as, as I think about this, though... <coughs> I'm I'm wondering, is there a consequence of being made into God's image? Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, I talk about it a lot. But here, here it comes again: that when you're created in the image of God, it gives you great privilege and great responsibility. And I let me go back to the you know we keep coming back to this animal kingdom analogy. Uh-huh. It kind of hit me that it's like as out at the zoo. It's, it's as if God is the owner of the zoo. So kind of go with me here, Sean. God is the owner of a zoo. We are the zoo keepers. See, we're not animals in the zoo. We're the zoo keeper. Yeah. And, and then there are the animals. And our responsibility is to take care of the animals. So great privilege that we have, that we have that honor, we have that position, that we are over the animals, we're responsible but also great responsibility. Yeah. So the, the owner of the zoo has a relationship with the zoo keepers, not the animals. So God has a relationship yeah. with us. We're the zoo keepers. Yeah. Uh, God says, I don't, I don't want to have a personal relationship with the giraffe or no. the, the, the birds or the otter. No, no, no. I have a responsibility. God, God says, I have a a personal relationship with you. You're the zookeeper. I've, I've given you dominion over the earth. So, um, huge, the consequences, Sean, yeah. huge responsibility. Yeah. We we have to maintain the zoo. Yeah. And I tell you what, sometimes as pastors, I feel like I'm a zookeeper. <laughs> but that's another passage. That's another thing, That's right? another sermon. Well, I find it interesting because, you know, That kind of answers my question because I was thinking um, God could have created human beings without being made in his image. He could have just made us like robots. I mean, this is kind of the things that we've been talking about. He could have made us just work on blind intuition uh, to make pens, blindly make pens, to make sure that the wolves don't eat the lambs, uh, to to create pens and to create obstructions and, and to make divisions. But that's... We could have been, in other words, like bees. Bees make beautiful um, work out of all the all the hexagon. is a is a powerful uh, constructive device that that by intuition, bees all over the world they make the same type of, of hive, and yet 
that's not how God made us to be. So what does this mean for our future? Because if we're made in his image, does that, does that really kind of make us accountable for our, of our, for our construction, what we do? Absolutely. It's a higher level of responsibility, a higher level of, of uh, consequence. Uh, you know, use the, the analogy of the bee. See, bees don't get together and talk about it. They don't <laughs> get together and say, hey, do y'all want to build a hive? Yeah, okay, what shape do you want it? Let's talk about this. Who, who has some, let's, let's come up with three or four creative designs and then we'll vote on it and the winner gets it. Bees don't do that. They don't mm. think about it. It's, it's just instinct that God wired into their DNA. You know, yeah. they, they don't have the brain capacity even to, uh, to be able to come up with something like that. So it's almost like the, you know, the bigger the brain, the more responsibility. And God yeah. has given us great responsibility um, and, and greater accountability. You know, the Bible is very clear. It says every single one of us, without exception, every one of us will someday stand before God to give an account of his or her life. Mm -hmm. I don't have to stand before God for you. You're on your own, Sean. I'm on my own. On Judgment Day, we all stand before God. We have to give an account yeah. and say, what did I do with what God gave me? You know, what, what kind of steward was I with my gifts, my talent, my resources? Um, really, uh, the, the, the animal kingdom, the, a, a fruit tree, you, what, an apple tree will not stand before God <laughs> to give an account of how many apples. Yeah. Now, God created the apple tree. How does the apple tree, quote unquote, praise God by making apples? Yeah. Okay. How do human beings, how do, how do human, bring, bring, human beings praise God and bring praise to God? Yeah. By doing what God called us to do, by being good stewards created in his image. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Rick, you sent it on a scripture, Psalm 139, verse 13 says that you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. And then remarked on the incredible, intricate design of the human body. And we talked about this before. And it, it occurred to me that this doesn't just happen at the chromosomal level, you know, where, to, you know, to, to put it kind of um, popularly, but, you know, where the magic happens you know, uh, of, of cell replication. Um, but where it comes down to is the molecular level of atoms making up this marvelous, mysterious and holy process. What are the implications, if, if I can do this, okay, what are the implications for the disciple of such precision and guidance? I would say that when you realize who you are, what is going on in your human body every single day, that you have to say, I am valuable to God. Yeah. Uh, I'm a, a, a unique the only one of a kind, you really are. I, I'm the only one of a kind in, in one way. You're the only one. Of your, you're not like me. I'm not like you. We're both human. Yeah. But there is a uniqueness about you that is irreplaceable. Yeah. Um, and so to me, one word, value. God has placed great value. You're not a mistake. Uh, you're not a deviation. Mm. You have a purpose. You you have meaning to God, and just the way He knit you together in your mother's womb, to quote Psalm one thirty nine, yeah, shows that you have great value. Yeah, 
You know, I, I think about when, when you say those words, it just makes me sad because of the suicide is at an all-time high right now. And we would think that if, if secular humanism and neo-Darwinianism is, is such a great truth, then shouldn't it be leading us on towards greater happiness and greater joy? If secularization is really the path of enlightenment, shouldn't that be bringing us greater joy, greater, um, l less conflict and, and greater openness? When in it's the empirical evidence is showing that it's doing the exact opposite. Yeah. It's creating more stress, it's creating more devaluation, and it's creating more um, lack of respect for each other. Um, and I, I think about this is this is the wonderful thing about the gospel. The gospel does show us that we we are of incalculable worth to God, um, and so we should give ourselves the highest. <laughs> we, I remember some guy talking about you know he doesn't he doesn't like the word self esteem. He says I would rather have Christ's esteem mm. because when you start there, then you will get your self esteem because then you'll see. There's, as you just said, there's nobody like you. And, but there is a, we are accountable for what that means. Absolutely. John, you mentioned suicide. My contention is the only reason suicide, the suicide rate is not higher, is that people don't slow down long enough to think of the implications of no God. If people slow down and really start thinking and contemplating, you know, if there is no God, there is no meaning, there's no purpose to my life, yeah. um, there's nothing after life, when I die, I'm done, so I'm tired of the pain, I'm tired of suffering, I'm tired of hurting, I'm tired of filling the blank, and if people really begin to contemplate like, frankly, some of the atheistic philosophers have done, they eventually come to the conclusion of suicide is the most logical path for a human being That's to That's right, take. yeah. So we can just be grateful that people don't think deeply. Yeah. I know that sounds strange. Yeah. But if people start thinking deeply, the suicide rate will, 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 it will eventually go up. I, I forget who the author was, but that, that's exactly what he said. I don't know if it was Bertrand Russell, who was a famous philosopher and, and an atheist. And I think he's the one who said it, and then he did it, yeah. that, um, that, su if, that atheism, the, the logical conclusion of atheism is suicide. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. What's the yeah. point? I think you know, Camus, <laughs> the great philosopher, I think he wrote the book No Exit. Ah. What was his point? Uh, there, there's no out, no yeah. way out. And he also, if I recall, he and some other uh, philosophers in that same period of time came to the same conclusion that the best logical conclusion is since there is no exit is suicide. Yeah. And yet everything in our entire, in, our, in, the, in the fiber of our being says that's wrong. Absolutely. That's wrong. So, so listener, uh, keep being the light of the world. Keep being the... Um, um, what a uh, city on a hill and, and shine out. Don't put, don't put your light in a bushel. Uh, so, you know, Rick, I think about my body's construction is evidence that I'm not the result of a, uh, of a mindless and meaningless process. And I think about the Apostle Paul who added in Ephesians 4.16, from him, the whole body fitted and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love through the work of 
uh, of each individual part. What do our lives mean in light of that scripture? I just find it fascinating that God uses his, his greatest creation, the apex of his creation, the human body, and he uses that as the analogy or picture of how the church should function. Now, God could have chosen a lot of different metaphors and analogies. Yeah. You know, why did he choose the human body to tell the church, here's how I want you to function. Mm-hmm. I want you to operate the way the human body operates. And then you think about how the human body operates is mind-boggling. Yeah. And especially the more we learn about uh, the cellular structure and, yeah. and all the internal. But even the ancients understood the marvel of the human body. And God says, okay, you know how your human body works? Um, I, want, I want the church to do the very same. The church is the body of Christ. So we, we're to value our human body. Our, our body has purpose and meaning and, and hope. Yeah. I believe God is saying, okay, the church is the body of Christ. Guess what? The church also has great value and purpose and meaning in the world in which I have placed it. Oh, that's a marvelous thing. Rick, thanks so much for that message. So, uh, But as you can tell right now, um, we have come to the end of this part of our, of our discussion, and we've come to Rick's quote of the week. All right, so Rick, what do you got for us? Well, one of my favorite quotes by Mark Twain, great insight. We're talking about you know, the meaning of life. Mark Twain said, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. Ooh, good one. The ah, day you find out why. My I prayer, I know what. your prayer also, Sean, is our listeners will find out why. Samuel Clemens, what a, what a smart guy he was. He was. All right. All right, Rick, what else is going on here at Grace? Well, we wrap up our fourth word series this coming Sunday. And it's, the, the sermon title is, is called The Fourth Word and Culture. Hmm. And I really could have called it the fourth word and God's word. Because we're going to talk about what happens when God and secular culture collide over the Bible, Hmm. over Scripture, over the Word of God. And believe me, the divide is enormous. (laughs) We're going to talk about that. And we're also going to talk about the uh, implications of that collision. Wow. Hey, also, I just want to let people know the next week, October 8th, we began our fall campaign, Created to Dream. Very excited about yes. this six-week study. And if you want to know more about it, you can go to roselgrace.com. There is a place there called Dream. That's right. You can learn more about the campaign. We have the resources here. And we want everybody in our town to, to participate in this great campaign. You're going to learn a lot about God's dream for your life. It's fantastic. Rick, thanks so much for your time. Audience, thank you so much for joining us on today's Living Your Dash. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at roselgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to roselgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.